Hey everybody, this is the first episode of the Short Free Games Talk podcast. I'm your host, Chrissy, and I have with me my co-host, That's me. Clyde. Wait, I'm not Chrissy. No, you're Clyde. And uh, we're going to be talking about small free games, as the name implies. So, uh, Clyde should probably be the one to tell us what these small free games are. They are games that are small and free, typically made by hobbyists rather than professionals, but sometimes made by professionals or made by students who intend to be professionals, or sometimes made by hobbyists who intend to be professionals. Oh, I should say video games, to be clear. Video games, yeah. We're not really talking too much about card games, I don't think. So, games made by hobbyists? Typically. Typically? Yeah, yeah. I think that that has a certain... um, uh, I mean, I mean that doesn't really tell us anything. I, okay, so what I'm my, asking okay. is, what are they? They're um, they're they're short games. Okay. That uh, short games that don't really tend to focus too much on replayability, though I suppose some of them do. I like. Yes, you're right. Short free games is not descriptive enough Mm-mm. because there is a certain je you ne almost sais think quoi. of like an app. Like yeah, yeah, word yeah. switch or yeah, something. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The the ones that I'm interested in us focusing on are games that have kind of like a narrative element, though not necessarily explicit, but they're still short, so um they're you know, they do have gameplay, of course, but the, I guess what I'm interested in is games that do something interesting quickly. What, how are they different than, like, regular video games? And let's talk about, like, regular short, small video games. Like, how are they different from Chime? Or how is it different from, like, Catan, okay. Xbox Live version? Chime's an interesting example. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Chime is like... um. Easy Tetris at first. <laughs> it's hard to understand. Well, yeah, but you don't know that at first. Yeah. So it's it's incredibly accessible. It's very well designed. It's uh it's very well designed as in the element every element in it is essential and does a lot to um create a uh a greater sum than its parts. You're putting in Tetris blocks in order to make music happen. Right, and you building. can put them anywhere on the grid you want. There's no gravity. Yeah. Okay, but we're not going di- to... Anybody who's going to be listening okay. to this well, knows what Chime is. Ch- Chime is... Or Braid, or, you know, a small game that somebody has played. How does it compare to one of those games? Well, I think it could compare to a single level of Braid. If a, just a single level of Braid was released, then I think it would compare. But when there's... I've never finished Braid. Have you ever finished Braid? No, it's hard as shit. Okay, so it's like the... I would be willing to talk about a level of Braid, okay, but not the entirety of Braid because it's long. It's it's long. It takes commitment, and it has a different meaning than something that. And when I say meaning, I don't mean like the author's intent. Even I mean what I mean is the experience that the player remembers is a lot different after it's, they've been playing it for a week. Oh, and you definitely have the replayability thing. You can go back into a level and work on a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... But you, I mean, you, in gameplay... Okay, okay. So we've established that it's not all of Braid, but how does it compare to one chapter of Braid, gameplay-wise? What makes it different? Because I feel like the only way to describe these compares, games is through a comparison. I think it compares very well with one chapter of Braid. Like, you know... How you put that first painting together? Like, yeah, yeah. you go through like four levels and put a painting together? Right, I remember. I would totally, if, kind I, of. I, if I found that on Game Jolt and I was like, and I played it and it ended when you put that first painting together, I was, I'd be like, oh, we got to talk about this on the podcast. So let's, uh, I feel like we'll get better at describing what these games are as, as we talk about them. So let's talk about why we're making a podcast about them. Because no one else is talking about them, and I want to listen to people talk about them. Why are you on it? Oh, well, because uh, Clyde wanted to listen to a podcast where people were talking about these games, and nobody was doing it. 
and the solution we always come to when someone isn't doing something we want is to do it. And I don't play any of these games. Uh, so I thought it would be a nice thing for us to do together since uh, many of our hobbies are different. Yeah, many of our hobbies. We we each have one hobby. <laughs> yeah, we and they're different. And they're different. <laughs> yeah. what, what a coincidence. <laughs> and we have jobs and they're different. So ergo, yep. everything we do is different. So it's all about time spent together. Mm. Okay, so uh, I I'm going to jump ahead. Please. With uh, Clyde's intentions. Okay. He wants to be talking about these games. He wants people to be playing these games. I want you to be talking about these games, too. Okay. But why do you want people to play them? Because a lot of this is... We we talk a lot about how to make these games accessible to people. Yeah. And how to introduce them to them. Over fajitas this evening. If you will. Even so. You know what I mean. Why? Uh, because... This is a lot like um, college-age Clyde uh, finding some books and being like, what if I hadn't found these in the in the library on, like, the fourth floor, you know? Like, finding some random-ass books and being like, I didn't know that anything like this existed. Or when I found out about Kurt Vonnegut for the first time, I was like, what if I didn't find this? I needed this so bad, and no one was advertising it. Now, what is it that you like so much about it that you feel like you're getting from it that you weren't getting from other games that you want to share with people? Okay, number one, let's consider, can we consider Adam that you used to work with? Yes. Okay. Adam kind of like embodied, you know, he's many more things than this. I've never actually, I think I've met him once, but he he kind of embodies this idea this 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 problem of buying having money to buy all the games but having no time to play them mm. and and that's what it seems like when you're looking at a steam library of games or an xbox like collection you, it just feels like there's so many games and you don't have enough time but what i've discovered by starting to investigate hobbyist games is i have plenty of time to play games I have plenty of time to finish games. It's just that all of the games that are being sold are too long. I mean, in, in well, the, and I feel like they don't really carry their length. Uh, you know, they don't really put enough content in it to make it justifiable for how long it is. It's like you're doing the same battle over and over again. I need you to go to a cave and get a ring from my dad. And then I need you to go to this cave and find a lot, you know, it's not like they're adding anything to the length. It's just to give you, if if you don't have like 300 hours of gameplay, everybody's going to feel cheated. Yeah. Well, and that's because it's being sold. Mm-hmm. Or at least I associate mm-hmm. it with that. I think when people, you know, there, there's a there's a $60 or $40 model. And when people pay that much money, they expect they, they're measuring it in hours. Yeah, that's true. And, and they're measuring it in technical frustration, like whether or not it crashes on them and stuff. So, um, when you get rid of the money, it seems like there's a lot more potential. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't really know that these games existed. I mean, in a, you know, every once in a while you'd hear about a game that people on a podcast are talking about and they talk about how, you know, like, uh, people who are actually working in the industry will kind of like trade links about some weird little game that came out, but it wasn't until this year or the beginning of 2014 that I realized that there is a, I mean, there's a scene. There's like a, there are multiple scenes. There's like a Rin Pai community making tons of visual novels. There's Game Jolt, which is making tons of clones of other games and tons of weird games and tons of unfinished games and tons of, like, I spent five years making this one game and I have to have somewhere to put it. It's like there's all sorts of, scenes and i didn't know that they were there and uh it's definitely changed it has become the default for me about what games are if someone says video games to me now i think about the catamites instead of thinking about dragon age and that's a that's a significant change in my perspective and it's not one that i want to you know, it's not one that I think is necessarily superior, but it's one that 
helps me enjoy the hobby far more than I was before. Okay. Now, I don't want any, I, I want to go ahead and disclaim. I don't really like these games very much, uh, but I think that's going to be helpful for Clyde to be able to talk to me about what's going on in them and help me understand what's valuable about them. And other people will probably have the same problem with me, is that they're not very accessible. Like, a lot of times you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. Or, or nothing is really happening. You know, sure, there's a whole game about, like, you can destroy your house. But, like, why am I destroying my house? I'm just going to destroy it. And then nothing's going to happen. And it kind of takes a lot of energy to knock down those walls. I mean, like, do you know what I mean? You don't really... There's not as much direction. There's hardly any direction. Or, or the entire game will be, like... I mean, we're going to talk about some games, so I guess we can get more specific with this. Why not do it right now? Okay, so this will be the good time to lead into it. So we're going to talk about three games. Uh, you want to talk? You want to talk about Thunder Place first? Sure. No, no, I don't want to talk no, about. You Thunder want to per- talk about Secret Habitat first? That sounds like a good one to start on. Okay. Okay. Talk about Secret Habitat. I want. Uh, do I have to? I want oh to hear you God, describe it. Secret Habitat. <laughs> this is the art one, right? This is the art yeah, one. Yeah. The paintings. The painting. So, so the scenario. Me and Clyde, parents ran off with the stereo. Stere- yeah, me and Clyde. Clyde's like, okay, let's play these games so we can talk about them. Uh, pick one out. So I'm randomly choosing games, and I pick this one. Well, you're not random. I mean, like I. I oh, chose, he has like, a 10 list. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, randomly from this list of ten. Uh, so you start off in like this pastel world where it's got like some acidic looking water that you can run through into these. This is buildings. a pretty good description. Yeah, into these buildings. And uh, inside of the buildings, they have ramps. You can go upstairs or downstairs. And inside of these buildings, there are procedurally generated art that is abstract art on the walls. And there's also tape recordings where you can hear what I would call abstract noises being played. So it's just a gallery. And then you can go back outside in the little pastel world and run to the next gallery and it'll be a different set of paintings, even though a lot of them are the same kind of style. Uh, lots of uh, lines that are heavy, like in rows, and then kind of spread out. Kind of like, uh, I don't know if you ever did this, but where you pour a lot of paint together. Uh, like Max Ernst? Uh, I don't associate that with Max Ernst. I more associate with Max Ernst. But anyway, so you get a lot of... I don't really know. Muddle? Yeah. And then you have a lot of wallpaper that looks like Rorschach. I only know this because uh, I was getting a little anxious about playing this game since I I don't enjoy abstract art very much. And I didn't really want to look at procedurally generated colors and lines. And so so Clyde does a good job with trying to uh, bring focus in on what's going on in the game. Why do you think... The game maker picked out these colors. Why don't we look at the wallpaper and see what the pattern looks like, and uh, you know those kinds of things, which is or or picking just simply picking favorites. Do you like this painting more than this other one? Why? So, so in this game, for me, it's like, oh, I really don't want to walk around looking at abstract art. But what did you? Why did you put it on the list? What did you get out of it? Why would you recommend that game to somebody? What is it? The thing that really excites me about Secret Habitat is that um, it is okay. So what I end up comparing it to is a um, a, a simulated gallery that actually represents a real gallery. So imagine like a, a a game where you're walking around the National Museum of Art and you're looking at you know um, Monet's and Vermeer's and you're looking at all of these pieces of art that you've already seen before, and you're seeing some of their oeuvre that you've—I have no idea how to pronounce that word. I only read it. Uh, that you've um, s- that you've never seen before, and you're seeing like all all these well-known artists, and it's kind of like you're participating in. Uh, you're you're going you're going through a chronology of a very particular thread of culture that has been established as something that we have in common 
if we're knowledgeable about Western society. And uh, examining like this technical progress and um, development of philosophy and priority throughout uh, the art world in a very definitive story that has been created um, about how art progressed. So, and, and a lot of that art is representational, of course, but some of it's abstract. And um, so it, if we had a simulation where we were going through the National Gallery of Art, that would be our experience. Would be kind of like being like, okay, th it's almost like a, a history museum. It's like yeah, but I know what happened last time we went to his the National Gallery of Art. We were like, oh, this art's not that good compared to a lot of art that we know exists, and it just you know gets arbitrarily chosen as being like what art should be, and gets put in a gallery. And it doesn't really mean anything. Well, we can compare it to, um, let's suppose uh, it's a, a bunch of sixth graders uh, have some folding walls that have been put up in the mall. Okay. Okay, and we're walking through that, and, um, you know, we'd be looking at, oh, this must be a picture of their pet. Uh, oh, this is a picture of how they imagine the Dread Pirate Roberts, you know, uh, that type of thing. And we'd You'd want to interpret it. Yeah, we would largely be interpreting it by representation and by intention. But yeah, but they there would be an intention of there being a subject matter where in this art there isn't. That's what I think is interesting about it. Is is that I mean, yes, you could strange think is the name of the developer. You could consider um this being strange think's intention, but when I'm looking at a particular painting, I don't see that as something that strange think intended. I see that as being the artist that has been generated by strange things intention their tendencies it's, it's like a manifestation of their tendencies and i think that is just such an interesting experience of going going through a gallery and being able to compare and contrast genetic or uh um algorithmically developed artist techniques that are categorized by artists and then seeing how they how they vary but also seeing how they stay similar and it's just it's there there's a different type of priority in, involved in that and and I I anthropomorphize the artists when I'm going through the gallery and so I'm thinking I'm thinking of these as like um as a procedurally generated characters and so a, a really good example one of my favorite examples of an experience I had playing the game was um, I was going through and uh, there were like close to each other there were two paintings and I think it would I, th I think one of the first ones was color and then there was one that was just black and white and it had prison something in the title because all the paintings are titled two words and it was it was like prison something and I was like, that's kind of interesting because it's, you know, you associate, you know, binary colors with with oppression to some extent, uh, or at least I do. And then and then I move what are binary colors. Um, well, in this case, well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of like uh, just black and white tones. Uh, and so then. Uh, moving, moving through it, I, uh, I came to another black painting that was. Uh, prison something and it was this it kind of it was as if this character uh that no one intended no one wrote this character but someone made some math that can generate it uh this character that that only i have seen because the game's generated every time someone runs it right so like no one has ever seen this character only I have seen this character. No one ever will see this character. But it, I got this... I, I, I was reading them as someone who was, a, was painting in this world and went to prison and how, like, even though they kind of go back to their old style, every once in a while, some amount of the trauma they experienced is re resurfaces in their work and it 
and those 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 um, black and white tones come back up, and it, it's so it's such a different experience than I've had, especially especially with games where, um, even even characters that are procedurally generated, they don't express themselves through art, or through paintings, and it was really neat to have a game in which first of all I can do that and second of all I'm not distracted from it so you have to be able to in in order to appreciate this you have to be able to build your own scenario is what you're trying to tell us that's how I appreciate it is is by extrapolating that's how I appreciate pretty much everything right right like so if you what would be your intention of recommending this game to me? Like, Christy, mm. you should play this game. Well, that would be a very selfish thing to do. Because uh, I think about that game a lot, and so I would want you to think, see the thing that I think about. What do you think about when you think about it? Um, what I, I think what about, would be the thing I would see? You mean? I think about that world. What... So I'm obsessed, personally, I'm obsessed with permanence. I mean, I have, we, I have kid art from, like, elementary school that I can't get rid of. Uh, I mean, I can eventually, but. Yeah, he can't get rid of any art that he makes. It's, it's permanent. Oh, no, that can be something we have to paint over, like, when we're paint drawing on the walls, kind of, like, you're obsessed with not losing any yeah, art Yeah, I don't want to lose make, any of it. Even though. I mean, when are you ever going to reference it? Right, right. It, 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 it's like everything feels, everything that someone makes by hand, I feel is so unique. I don't want to lose it. What if we need this? I'm a hoarder of art. Even though you don't do anything with it. Well, I mean, Most I'm looking around this room. and it's right, because just... this is right in front of your face. This isn't in one of your millions of sketchbooks or up there in the container of kid art. Yeah, I mean, yes, I... It does not. It does. It does, it does not. Say. It does not. It does not necessitate that I do something with it. This is true. Um, so I, I. So I'm obsessed with permanence. Okay. So loading up a game, and having, I think it's like a hundred galleries full of art, that's all one of a kind, and no one will ever see again. Like it's a completely different feeling, closing that game down than it is. Um, uh, finishing a game of Super Monday Night Combat. It's so funny how you can make everything sound interesting, even though I know for a fact it isn't. It's a skill. Yeah. It's like the Tom Green show. You know, I used to hate that show, but I could listen to people talk about it. And when they talked about it, it was like, wow, I really want to watch that show. It sounds so funny. But no, it, it isn't. You want to you play this game now? Yeah, but I know what it's going to be like. I'm like, oh, God, more of this, like, inkwell art or whatever. Okay, let's move to the next one. Yeah, not to... No, 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 no. Well, I, I, I'm kind of more interested in your perspective on it, but I don't know how to ask about it. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't really have a perspective on it. I mean, for me, it was just tedious. Like, it was just something I was trying to get out of the whole time. I don't really <laughs> even have an opinion of it other than it's something I don't want to do again. So why why don't you go to museums full of abstract art? I don't like to really go to museums full of art, period. Unless it was, like, Mooka or something. Because... I mean, most of it's like portraits or, I don't know. I don't really see, like if it was all like, oh, uh, alchemical art or all, all Art Nouveau. But, I mean, for the most part, uh, things are being picked with the purpose of categories that I'm just not that interested in seeing yeah. represented. So when, 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 I see, when I see a category of something I'm not interested in and it has some curation to it, where like someone is showing it and I don't get the feeling like I'm being sold something. Mm -hmm. uh, I I get the feeling like someone's showing this to me because they're excited about it. They're genuinely excited about it. Um, I find I, I go to effort. I, I, I say to myself, okay, I need to learn how to appreciate this thing because apparently there's something to be appreciated here. And I would rather I, I want to know how to appreciate it. I have a I have a 
I do that, but when it comes to people telling me about their interests. When people are telling me something that I'm not interested in, I want to become interested in it and ask them questions and want to hear them describe it to me. But if I have to discover it on my own without their input of why it's interesting, I can't develop an interest in it. So did I wait too long to start talking when we were playing Secret Habitat? Uh, probably. I mean, but also, uh, I have a real resistance to interpretation of abstract things, as you already know. So I don't know if that would have really helped. Like, us talking about interpreting abstract things is way different than doing it. Like, I'm interested in conversation. Do you have any idea why you're resistant to it? I don't. I don't. Can you, can you give me an idea of, um... A piece that you would consider on the on almost abstract and a piece that you would consider almost representational, I guess. You mean from the game? No, from Real Life? Yeah. Okay, the but we already talked about this. Well, I don't know what uh the piece that I think of as abstract are those like colored squares. Everybody who looks at them is always like, I could do this, my kid could do that. Yeah. So do you like that? I mean, I don't find it very interesting, but I found our conversation about it interesting. What was our conversation? I don't remember. Uh, you were giving me various interpretations of what it could mean. Okay. I think listening, and this goes back to me only being interested in things if people are making them interesting. Uh, you interpreting it is interesting to me. Me trying to interpret it isn't. Okay, so what's interesting about Mooka? Because I don't feel like I have to talk about Mooka for you to be interested in Mooka. Oh, no. No, Mooka is interesting to me. Why? Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's something about the uh, curves and the patterns that is uh, lights up my brain. I don't know. What's interesting to me about your description is that you're describing things that could be in abstract art. Right, but abstract art doesn't have enough pat. I mean... I like abstract art if it was a pattern. Like, I like Dan Giles' stuff, and it's abstract, but it's all patterns. I enjoy looking at pattern art. I enjoyed the wallpaper more than I enjoyed the paintings. I enjoyed trying to interpret the wallpaper okay. more than I enjoyed the so paintings. That, to me, that's com- that's completely valid. And, and I, I, would, I would be... I can easily imagine someone enjoying the architecture of the buildings because it's procedurally generated. But that doesn't mean I want to hang out in that world. I just had to find something to like about it since I was forced to be there. <laughs> That's a great description of my life. <laughs> so, let's pick something else. Okay, uh, do you want to talk about Onorigardis? Yeah, I think that's a great comparison to what we were just talking about. Okay, um, I'm going to talk about this game. Please. Um... But you, actually, I talked about what the last game was like, the description. Why don't you give us the description? Okay. Uh, in Oneric Gardens, um, you, uh, what it kind of reminds me of is uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when they walk into Petra. What is that? That's the one where um, he's with his uh, father. Okay. And they walk into Petra. And it's like everything's very tall and thin and ancient tombish. Yeah? That's oh. how I mean that's oh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. how I feel about oh, it. Oh you know, I didn't realize that was Petra. Man, because I, there's like a Agatha Christie book that takes place in Petra. And they and she described it so interestingly, I really wanted to look up pictures of it. Now I wish I remember what happened in that movie. Because I don't really remember what the scenery looked like. Um so you're in this, it's almost like a man-made canyon, uh, but indoors. And um, inside of it, it, it it becomes, well, I should mention that all of the 3D models are very chunky. And uh, the um, all of the textures on everything. Do you know what a texture is? Uh, like the wallpaper? Yeah. All the wallpaper on all of that, in the wrapping paper that covers all the ap- objects is um very low resolution, meaning that it's you can see the pixels. Okay. Oh, you know what? I zoned out at the beginning. Can you start? I'm sorry. Sure. What? Where should I start? Okay. What did you say before the wallpaper? 
um, that all of the 3D models were very chunky. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so, as you're walking through, you see three houses. And so it's kind of like houses within this larger pavilion. And um, they all have very distinct styles from each other. Uh, one looks like a like a haunted house. I mean, it's got 13 on the thing and uh, iron rock fence. Uh, one looks like kind of like a party disco kind of deal. And then another one looks like a um, uh, like project building, I guess. Mm-hmm. Very like mm. almost socialist. Oh, yeah. I thought it was in the projects the whole time. Yeah. So, uh, in in each of those rooms, um, when you go into them, you have a, you basically just explore an environment, and they're all different from each other. I gotta, I gotta interrupt you right here. Okay. You are leaving out the most important aspect of the game. The the slug. Your character runs and jumps, and whenever you jump. Because you have to run to each of these buildings. And whenever you jump, it makes this sound. Boop. And it is so fun to jump. Like, I couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough of that sound. Oh, get- and then when you land, it makes that little Jake Clover. I'm not familiar. But, yeah, so this is the essence to me of this game. But go ahead. Um... Yeah, she kept on talking about how much fun it was to jump and how she loved that noise when she was playing. Uh, for me, it was largely um, what I really enjoyed about that game was uh, I enjoy how accessible it looks. I think it looks very lo-fi, um, and that's appealing to me because when I play a game, I want to feel like I can make it. Um, Why is that appealing? Because... Uh, because I'm reminded that I didn't make it, um, and that I had no reason. Like everything that I associate with being able to make a game, uh, fails me. As in, um, I have the technical capability, which is usually what I think is what keeps me from making games. I have the technical capability. But I'm not making those choices. And the choices seem like the easy thing to do. And uh, and so as I'm going through, I'm there's this context where I'm like, I can make this. So it's like, it's accessible. Like, these people have the same tools as me and the same skill as me. And this me, is what they did And with this them. is what they did. Okay, yes. Okay. Uh, and so I start paying attention to the choices that they make. So the thing that is really interesting to me is that it's projects, a haunted house, a disco, a, a tropical island that's not even a tropical yeah, island. Yeah, I didn't even try to figure out why they picked what they the, picked. The tr- the tro- it's not a tro- To me, that was not a tropical island. That is, that is like a thrift store tape of how to remain calm before your golf game. That's what that oh, place is. Oh, yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? It was totally like... Crystal clear water, blue skies, yeah, yeah. like palm trees. Yeah, it, it 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 is it is the place that the dentist tells you to imagine. It is not an actual place. Right. Uh, so those are like the and then you know the entire tomb itself, the the entire cave canyon canyon structure. So the, those are five things that this person chose to put into the game. And I ask, I find myself asking, why did they choose these things? Congratulating them on their choice, and just kind of feeling like I am walking around, not their, not their sleeping dream, but their um, priorities, their their imaginatory priorities and associations. So, I, uh, I could already tell it was Dracula related even before I went to the Dracula room, but I don't know how. I could tell that, uh, but you were picking up on the Dracula vibes. I was picking up, but let's let's talk about themes because we've been talking a lot about this recently. About uh, because Clyde likes to get on the internet and write interpretations he has of games, and I have a hard time talk uh, interpreting things or even 
figuring out how to do it. And we talked a lot about like, you know, in your English class, you have to read those yellow wallpapers. I would love to have that discussion again right now. And, uh, and the problem is, uh, when you're reading that stuff, you don't, you don't really understand. It's like, it's like, it's a puzzle and there's a right answer and you're supposed to be figuring out what the right answer is, but you don't really have any information. When you were telling me about this before, you continually brought up the authority figure of the teacher. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because they expect you to know the right answer. I mean, that's what the teacher right. is there for. So so it's not like you're reading a story. It's like you're being tested on yeah, a story. Yeah, yeah, you're being quizzed on. I mean, it's the same thing when your boss brings up your results and it's like, hey, where did you make the mistake? And you're like, uh, that's what I feel like when when an authority figure is asked. But I guess in this case, it's more the authority figure asking you what you think about an abstract thing. You still feel like there's a right answer. And and it seems like the reason that wait are you, I my understanding of your perspective is that the reason that there is a right answer is because someone's asking you for one. Well, not only that, but they spend a lot of time telling you uh, red represents anger and flowers represent whatever I don't fucking know. But you know what I mean. They like try to give you a key or give you examples. And that doesn't. How, how does that differ from tarot? And what that. I feel like there's a right answer there, too. I mean, I always feel like there's a right answer. That's that's like three quarters of my problem. I I mean, I'm, I, I look at things not interpretatedly. So, anyway, the conclusion I came from our conversation from this uh, was that part of my problem with trying to interpret things from like the yellow wallpaper error is because they were using symbols that are no longer valid in today's society. So I was thinking, because Clyde talked me into thinking it was interesting by me listening to him talk about it, I was falling that hole. I was thinking, it would be fun to try and interpret something that is being made right now, because I'll have all of the the uh, information to try and be able to interpret it. So I, I was trying to keep that in mind when I started playing all these games, but I still got nothing. Like, it doesn't help me. Projects. Yeah, but what does that represent? Uh, being poor? Uh, danger? Oh, I guess it was about danger because it was Dracula, too. But why did you get such a cute jump? I, I, that's interesting that you say danger because it's Dracula, too. I, uh, I don't even, I don't even... I that's that's not what I got from the projects. Oh, what did you get? I got from the projects. What I got was um, sameness, uh, largely communicated by stacks of boxes with the same texture on it. Uh, right. So right. so it's kind of like it's you know where we live, we would consider it like cookie cutter housing. Would would kind of give the same feel, only it would give it less poverty, you know. So, uh, I, for me, the the project section was about like, um, almost like. So okay, you have. Let's compare slums to projects. All right. Slum defined. Slums are a lot more interesting. Because everyone's finding stuff and making shit out of it, and they're not all finding the same shit, and so they end up. What do they make? What are you even talking about? Like slums in in some in like India or or or, or Brazil or something, okay. uh, where they're all like made with you know they found a cinder block, so they get to put that in their shack, you know, and all the shacks are walking watching to me. And, and 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 they get to they get to stack shacks, so it's like a, a shack stack, and they all like, oh they, it it creates this like this this pile of of individuality. I have to go get a beverage while you talk. Do you need anything? Uh, yeah. Can you pour me some wine? Yeah. Like half of a glass. Yeah. Um, so, uh, boy, it sure is a lot harder to talk when you're not staring at me. Um. Okay, so the the slums have 
the slums have this feeling of 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 individuality to them and a uh, collective society with individuality to it whereas projects has this feeling of like we've been provided housing um and everyone's apartment is the same uh and this is the overall environment is one of sameness Maybe. I I don't I, the what I'm what I'm corroborating and when we had this discussion about the yellow wallpaper, my answer to you about whether or not there's a right answer was that it's not about whether or not there's a right answer, it's about consistency and how much it corroborates with other elements of oh, the piece. Oh yeah. Okay. So So how so how much does this cooperate? I can't even say that word. I can't either. So it's okay. uh, how much with the other elements? So the other elements are when you go in one room, they have these bl- piles of blocks that make a noise whenever you kick them. So it's really fun. Uh, they make different. There's like three different or two different noises. I think it's like two. Well, that that is what I corroborated it with was with the the stacks of blocks with the same texture and kind of like just feeling like we all get the same blocks you all make the same things out of the blocks they all look the same sameness habitat but then there's like a blockbuster video store of monster movies see i i i i kept in a blood floor i kept each of those houses separate as far as the corroboration of 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 what they did but that's not necessarily true like Correct. That's but aren't they how... all connected somehow? I I think so. But I think that they're connected on a on a on a uh, uh, different scope than than self identifying. So, for instance, um, the Dracula house. I don't see that as I don't think that the identity of the Dracula house is defined by the other houses. I think it's defined by what's inside of it. But then once you have that identity, and this is just the way I went about it, once you have that identity, you can compare that identity to the other houses and then triangulate a larger uh, um, um, context. So how did you associate the Dracula house with the other? What did you triangulate? I haven't, I have not done it before. Uh, but uh, the Dracula house, to me, that was like love of horror movies, you know? It was because it was like a blockbuster video of horror movies. Yeah. Um, I guess it's kind of like... But well, there's like a creepy theme to the whole... Like, I knew as soon as I walk in that it was vampire related before I even went into the vampire the room. The best part... To me, the best part of the vampire room is the lounge. I love the lounge. I love walking in and it's like... It's it's like you're going to sign a lease or something. They they have like upholstered furniture that doesn't really look like anyone has ever been comfortable on it, but it's like supposed to look homey. And I I loved the lobby. I thought the lobby was great. Sorry, did I interrupt you? No. Um. Um. But I but I feel like there is a darker theme. Because I ha- I guessed vampires before I even went in there. See, I didn't get anything dark from it. Really? It's like dark and light. There's like the creepy vampire communist Russia era. And then you go to paradise. You're like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're... That's... Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, there... Yeah. It's... I call it... Well, I mean, dark. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, there, you, there's like a sticky like a, blood floor that's almost like quicksand that you have to jump yeah, in and it holds you in. But it's fictional, right? It's like it, it. There's no. There's no sense of like. Yeah, it's is... like okay. The it, it's the same kind of creepy as those kind of horror movies where it's like goofy creepy. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like. But even those boxes are like kind of. One of their noises is negative. Like, mm-hmm. it's all got kind of like, hey, this is a fun kind of negative. Yeah. Well, I mean, now that we're talking about it, I, I, I see it as being like living in same, same apartments, mm. uh, 
going to like adventure to the video store, right? Like mm. this is a neighborhood. You go to the video store and you go to the disco. Oh yeah. Like those totally. are the, those are the two places you go. I don't know where, which one they get groceries from. <laughs> and, then, and so then you go into that and then this is divided uh off and you go into the room with the waterfall and the slug and that's where you find the temple with the particles mm. and and you're whisked away and you're you're whisked away you're literally whisked away it's, it's a very much a sanctuary yeah it's yeah. like a, like something sacred and then you get to ride on the surfboard yep to like nothing it was like really nothing in that world yeah yeah i i think the most interesting thing about that last world is that is how it compares to the other ones kind of like what you were saying with the darker themes I, I wish we had a better word for than darker though. Yeah, um, but my favorite part was the bridge. So there's like this space bridge. Uh, when oh, you're yeah, in one of yeah, and you go through the space bridge, and it's got kind of like this uh, geometric pattern going around, and it makes a sound, and you can hop, and it kind of goes with the sound. It was really awesome. So, what would you say is a reason to play this game? The the uh, controls. Like, but why would why thing. would someone play this game here's, instead of SSX? Here's the thing that you have to be able to do in order to want to play these games. You have to be able to have to. Yeah, you have to. Like, you're not going to enjoy it unless you do this. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm using the word "have to." Like, you there's so much that you do that you take for granted that you don't realize that you take for granted. You have to want to interpret what's going on in the game. You have to put in the effort to enjoy these games. Whereas SXS X is like eating, you know, like chocolate or something. It's going to taste good. No it, matter what. The, the entertainment is, 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 is Inherent. shot at you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do any work. It's there for you. You don't have to wonder, why did they put this ramp here? Uh, what were they intending with this uh, trick? So... Are you saying that my enjoyment of these games is, is somehow related to the fact that I spent months of my life staring at static and trying to see patterns on the black and white television? Absolutely. It, this is just a connection to that. And if and it's a skill. It it's not it's well the, I mean enjoying doing that is a skill, not being able to do it, being able to want to do it. So, okay, so this is interesting because you weren't able to, you did not have the skill to enjoy Secret Habitat, but you did have the skill to be able to enjoy Oneric Gardens. But I didn't enjoy the environment of Oneric Gardens or the interpretation of it. If it wasn't for that jump mechanism noise, I would not have given a shit about Oneric Gardens. Let's move on to Thunder Plays. Okay. Thunder Plays. So, uh,. How does Thunder Plays fit into what you're saying right now? Um, Thunder Plays, you have to definitely... But see, okay, Thunder Plays was the last game I played. So I had a, I had the the thing going in my mind. Clyde had been trying to get me to interpret games for the last couple of games. And, I'm, you know, and I had to look at wallpaper and what is these colors you think they're trying to represent. So by the time I got to this one, I was in full scale, like trying to figure out everything mode, right? So well, well, you played this one in Georgia too. Oh no, I I uh, I started playing Pong at the beginning. Yeah, and I started talking to you on the phone. I couldn't do both at the same time, and I canceled it. Okay. Yeah. Dance time. Um. So in this game, it's really Pong centered. <laughs> you play a lot of Pong at the beginning, or you know, for as long as you want. I guess on, on many TVs. Many 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 TVs, and then you go to like this. This world that's also pastel. Pastels are so in right now. Oh gosh, I think Thunder Plays' world is just gorgeous. Like I, I didn't really enjoy the color uh, choices in Secret Habitat. It's no different. I love the pinks and the blues in Thunder Plays. Why? Um, I guess thinking on it now, it's kind of like that that part of the sunset where the cumulus clouds get little bits of pinks and blues on their edges. Mm. Okay, so so then you go to this like it it what is it like the environment where you see all the like different yeah. rocky I, I, 
I I I thought of it as ice. Mm. Kind of like walking on on top of yeah, ice. Yeah, but it kind of reminds me of like you look at this image of uh, computers. Oh yeah, vector vectors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like a, like a low poly terrain that it, is that is scarred with lightning strikes. Yeah, yeah. And then they've got like these little robots sticking out that I thought the lightning was hitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think the lightning might be hitting them. Yeah, when the lightning hits the ground, it creates these holes that are kind of um, like uh, like an ice pick's hitting a giant ice pick is hitting the uh, that area and creating a hole. And then it's maybe it's when you look away that hole is then populated with uh the little. I don't know because you see them all. Oh yeah, maybe so. You see them all over, though. You do see them all over. When you were playing, I was trying to figure out when they were appearing, and it would look like it looked like when you looked away, like when you were staring at them. I didn't see. I don't remember seeing them appear, but it looked. It seemed like when you turned back around, they'd be there. Mm. Yeah. So then, they all uh, after a while of that running and lightning and not much. Then they all come up, all the robots, and they kind of form a circle around you and do the wave for a while. Uh, and then I can't remember what happens. You you appear below the ground. Oh, you're upside down. No, you're not. No. No. No, you don't flip upside down. You just go below the terrain, and you're floating there in space below the terrain. And then what? I don't remember. And then, uh, and then um, all of the robots form a grid in front of you which creates a screen of a game of Pong. Is and, that in? And then uh, once you uh, get three points uh, the robots seem surprised or upset or satisfied. There's some aspect of them acknowledging that you got three points. And uh, I think they start vibrating, and then it kind of like gives you a title screen. Uh, Thunder plays. You loved this game. Yeah. When you played it. I love it every time I play. Why? So many reasons. Give us the interpretation. Tell us your. I don't have an. I don't have an interpretation of this game. I have. I can interpret. I guess I can interpret aspects of it. Um. Well, okay. Then why do you like it so much? So. I love I love the art style. I love the colors. I love the it's not because it's a game inside of a game, but the the element of pong in it is really neat to me. The okay, so I've played when you're looking through um when you're looking through free games, often <laughs> Often tutorials will be for 2D games will be a breakout clone. You know what breakout is? Like for Atari. Oh yeah. Yeah, or Arknoid. Yeah, we had one for the like, Game Boy. Yeah, like a paddle paddle ball where you're breaking where you're you're taking out bricks with the ball. Right, right, right. So that's you come across so many of those games when you're looking through free games. Really? Yeah, because it's it's often the tutorial game that you're first taught with. Ah. So, um... I love being on the inside. Uh, the... Uh, a, a variation of... And that is a variation of Pong. So, Pong, Pong is, you know, Pong is like... A generation before us is Mario, right? And, uh, two generations before the Minecraft. <laughs> like, it's, what do you mean a generation before us? Uh, Pong is, to me, Pong is like... Oh, our Mario. We had Mario. We, Pong yeah. was the generation before us. Yeah. Mean. Okay. yeah, and now they have Minecraft. And so it's like, Pong, Pong to me, is, is very much a, a, a um, symbolic of... Uh, it's like a uh, in computer programming. A lot of times, the first thing you code is "Hello World." I feel like Pong is kind of like a "Hello World" of of so making do you, videos. This goes back to me wondering if you can only enjoy these games if you're a programmer. I did not start enjoying these games until I started trying to make them. So uh, I I can't tell you for sure, but <laughs> it's likely. So <laughs> so um. And that that is something I would like to mention now. Um, 
even if you can't make games, I recommend making them anyway. Um, if you want to. Well, yeah. I mean, I. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it to people who don't want to. They're better. Well, yeah, I wouldn't recommend anything to things. people that don't want yeah. to do it. But I mean, except for like Washington. Yeah, but see, a lot of people say they want to make games when they want to want to make games. They don't know what they want to do. I think they come into it with. I came into it with expectations that got in my way, and that was, um, in order to make something interesting, I'm going to have to make Skyrim. Oh yeah, that's true too. But, you know, I thought for a long time, I read a lot of fan fiction, so I thought for a long time I wanted to write fan fiction in order to appreciate fan fiction. But I just wanted to want to do that. I just didn't know how to how to express how I wanted to participate. So I thought, did, obviously, did, writing it was the way to participate, but that wasn't it. Did your attempt to write it help you appreciate it? Oh, uh, that's true, it did, because I realized... Even more how great of writers there are before I it's, try to do it. But it's not it's not just, oh, wow, this is actually hard and people are doing it, though. No, it's I don't want to do it. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's things like, well, I'm speaking for you too much, I guess. Well, what I'm trying to say is they haven't learned how to express their appreciation for the form. So the obvious answer is to make it when that's not necessarily how they could best enjoy contribution. Do you know what I mean? Like, I thought my I should write it because I enjoy it okay, so much. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I'm sure that there are many ways to appreciate it that I'm not doing. I've chosen... That they would enjoy other than trying to make games. That's fair. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Uh, trying to make games has given me a different perspective on um, uh, how to appreciate them. And, and these, these games that are where you can see the the seams uh um are really fun to look at and to play through when you're incredibly aware of all of the decisions that are going into it and yeah. in how each of those decisions requires so much commitment um but you know what you're right though if somebody thinks that they want to make games but they really don't, they should still try to do it so they can get that out of their system and move on to the next thing that yeah. they want to do. It's like, I mean, I often talk about this. I, I don't feel like I ever listened to music until I started making it. Really? Yeah. Oh, but yeah, that's true about you. And I've I still been... don't listen to lyrics. Yeah. That's why. I, you don't... That's one of the reasons I really like K-pop is because I can't understand anything they're saying. Yeah. I've always been, a, I think the difference is, is you've always been a person who makes things. And I've always been a person who consumes things. So I always think of it from the consumer aspect, mm -hmm. and you always think of it as the... And that's why this podcast is so great. Yeah. I guess so. The person who doesn't understand it and the person who doesn't understand it. So, um... Okay, where were we talking? We were talking about Thunder Plays, but... Uh, we should be wrapping up? Well, there's one more thing I would like to say about Thunder yeah, Plays. Yeah, you haven't really said anything about Thunder Plays. Uh, okay, uh... So, okay, Thunder Plays presents this context of the game of Pong at the very beginning and the game of Pong at the very end. Oh, okay. Yeah, accessibility. That's what we're talking about. Um, by presenting Pong in two different contexts, one at the beginning and one at the end, it kind of, uh, it creates, uh, I'm using this, I am totally making up my definition of this word, so I probably shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, let's do it. It creates a parenthetical. What does that mean? Uh, I don't know what it means. How are you using it? Um, it feels like things are in between parentheses. Okay. Uh, the two games of, in, oh, I didn't even think about this, but like, it's as if Pong itself is a game of parentheses, which is pretty fucking dumb. Okay, don't tell me, tell me, tell me what you mean. Uh... When you look at Pong, it looks like two parentheses with the period in between them. Kind of. Then they're straight. Okay, that yes, that's true. No, <laughs> you can't you can't sell this one to me. Okay, so so uh, <laughs> okay, so it it creates this. What 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 do you call that? Like where you have a a a, a definite start point, a middle, and a definite end point, and the the start point and the end point have similarities, and so. It, like a crab cannon. Like okay. A, like a, a, a reflection. What the fuck is a crab 
I'm not sure, but I think a crab cannon. Why do you keep using words that you don't know what they mean? So I read a lot, but I don't actually think about it. I just read it. So, <laughs> I think I think a crab I think it's a watchdog. I think it's a steel rod. I think a crab cannon is when a piece of uh, uh, classical music um, hits a midpoint at which it uh, it it's got a chiastic quality. Would they really call that a crab cannon? I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, but, okay, we all get what you mean. The beginning and the end is the same. Yeah. Like a palindrome. Or a reflection, yeah. So it create it creates that. It, it it uses it uses a reflective technique, okay, in its narrative, which to me bypasses all need for actual meaning or significance, because the format itself is significant. There's no way they're not trying to communicate something with those robots doing the wave around you, and then you being upside down on that lightning world. They are trying to communicate something in that game. Something specific? I think so. I think there's a right answer. See, okay, well, let me tell you what the viruses, the the, the robots reminded me of. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is a false memory or not. Okay. That means it is. When I was in the house that we moved out of when when I was eight, so I had to be between the ages of zero and eight. Okay. Uh, I think it was probably around the time I saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay. Um, but I don't remember. I remember going into a grocery store and seeing an alien in like a tabloid in line, and like a like a the classic gray. Uh, um, alien that has the like oval head with the little sharp point on the bottom kind of deal. Okay. Uh, I remember seeing that after my dream and being like, that's the thing I saw in my dream, right? And the dream was I had sp- I had uh, ants crawling all over me. Okay. And I was panicking because it was like I was laying in my bed and ants are crawling all over me. And so I like can't get the ants off. I, I think I can't move or something like that. So then, later that night, I wake up, and it's one of the malian things, right? And it's at the bed, and it just like... Is this a real dream? Well, it might be... Well, well I don't... It might not be a dream, honey. So... Okay. But this so, really happened. Yes. When you never I was told me this story. Well, that's great. Uh, so, uh, like, when I see the alien thing, I kind of freak out in a similar way as I freaked out with the ants, right? But the alien just made this like motion that just calmed me. It was like it didn't communicate with language or anything, but it was just like everything's cool, man. Mm. Just like with its like, not even motioning, just, just kind of giving me a vibe somehow of, oh, it's cool. everything's cool. And I was like, oh, okay, everything's cool. I just went back to sleep. And it was fine. You know, for all I know, it could have been like, uh, me having a nightmare and like my mom or my dad coming in and being like you know rubbing my forehead yeah but you know how sometimes you have those dreams about being awake Mm -hmm. i mean that's totally what i think it is so so all the same for me it was a formative memory and and it uh created a well actually we have a painting right here of an alien creature, it's not like a gray alien. It's a, it's a. What would you call that, Kissy? Um. An octopus. Yeah. An octopus kind of creature with one eye, um, and uh. It. This is a painting where the person in it is basically saying, "I'm afraid of you," and it's saying, "Uh, do not be afraid." Like, do not be afraid is this, like, is this motto that I I love this narrative idea of, like, a creature that you're not familiar with that has some amount of reverence to it. Okay. Communicates without language the phrase, do not be afraid, and it being convincing. 
that's what I got from the virus things. That's so interesting. So it was like it was like all of these virus things are doing something around me, and I'm going, what should I be doing? Oh God, uh, the lightning and the you start environment. Lift, yeah, you start lifting off the ground, and you're like, um, you're you're like, oh, I I I I I've even lost contact with the ground. Like the one amount. The, the one real sense of agency I had, which was walking around, is now disappeared. I have no. And control. then they turn into something familiar, the pong game. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Huh. So I really like that game. That's really. That's cool. what it reminded me of. What did? did were you saying that it reminded you of something? No, no. Uh, but after you first played it, you talked about how good it was and how it was so good and blah blah blah. But I was really expecting, like, I don't know, well, to like it. Well, one thing I really like about this game, and I keep on trying to say this, being distracted, is that uh, it has so little amounts of... It, it, it goes so fast, it does everything so quickly, and it's like you're basically just in a play or a dance, and mm-hmm. it's over. Right. I love that. It's It's... It gives me just enough agency to feel like I'm playing a game and it's like this short little experience that I feel like it takes me on a, uh, not not on like a journey over geographical distance, but a journey over things happening in quick succession that seems somewhat related to each other, but not necessarily interpreted, just... An experience. Yeah, an experience. It's just a quick experience, like... A, like and I, I think it's done so well. It did do. It did. It, it was more of an experience than the other games that I played. It's it guided. was. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a story happening to you versus I'm just in this world moving around and looking yeah. at stuff. Yeah, it's like you're watching a movie versus walking around an environment. Yeah. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you about that. I think we should wrap it up. Okay. Um. Before we end, do you want to say anything about um, how, or do you want to save the conversation about making these games accessible? Mm, the categorizing. Oh, thing. the categorizing thing. Yeah, I don't think I have the energy for it. Okay. But uh, let's um, let's think of a game that we want to discuss next time. Okay. Um, I want to discuss one of your games next time. Which one? I'm thinking about Dancing Girls. Okay. What game do you want to discuss next time? I keep on trying to get you to play Operative Assailants. Mm. Have, did you play it today? No, I played uh, Coin... Kindness Coins? Yeah. I, re- I really want you to play Operative Assailants. So, this is it's not that I necessarily want to discuss it. It's that I want to hear what you have to say about Operative Assailants. Okay, so next podcast we'll discuss Dancing Girls, Operative Assailants. And whatever else. Is that the Academy scheme? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then whatever else we pick during the week. Did we title the podcast? Yeah, we called it. I threw it while we were talking. Uh, short Free Games Talk. Short free games talk with Chrissy and Clyde. All right. See you next week. Bye. Next week. Shit. Yeah.